Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. SVP and Chief Financial Officer at Red Hat. And if you want to learn how to cultivate strong relationships, you need to listen to Build Your Network with my friends, Travis Chappell and Eric Skorzynski. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Build Your Network. I am your host, Eric Skrzynski. And on today's show, I'm sitting down with Lori Krebs. She is the Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer over at Red Hat. She's a strategic leader with experience developing highly effective finance organizations. Her extensive industry knowledge has led to a career in finance, accounting, and tax matters for several multinational corporations. As co-lead of Red Hat's COVID-19 response team, Lori led efforts to support associates in 2020, including instituting quarterly recharge days, providing stipends for home office needs, training managers to support their teams, and subsidizing resources for mental health and childcare. You guys are going to love this episode. Uh, It is absolutely incredible. She brings a ton of value, especially when it comes to pivoting a massive organization during the pandemic. If you guys appreciate any of the content in this show, if you get any value, be sure to take a screenshot, go to Instagram, post it to your IG stories and tag Travis Chapel with the handle at Travis Chapel. All right, guys, let's get into my conversation with Lori Krebs. 
All right, Lori, thank you so much for joining me on the Build Your Network podcast. It's great to have you on. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, Eric. Yeah, we we really like to take these interviews back to the beginning because we, we like to get to know the person that we're talking to before we get into the company, before we get into some of the current events that are happening right now. So take me back to like a young Lori, like, like let's go back like maybe 10, 11 years old, like early childhood. What was kind of your background and what kind of, when was the first time you had maybe an inkling that you were pushing in the direction of the, the kind of entrepreneurial route? So, yeah, that's a good question because I really wasn't. The early Lori days, uh, you would have found a, a very quiet, shy girl who kind of just did the right thing growing up and was very uh, mild-mannered, I'd say, and very shy. So just afraid to talk to people, which is kind of funny because I've completely evolved since then. But really, you know, school days and things, not really sure what I wanted to do other than I really liked people. And so I had a trajectory that I was going to be a doctor or a nurse because I liked helping people and I liked to be around people. So early days, I was very shy. I kind of came into myself in high school and stuff. But then I, I started thinking that's what I wanted to do until I volunteered in a hospital and realized there was very hard work and I really got attached to the patients and I was in a geriatric ward and that didn't bode well. So then I realized, hey, I'm pretty good at this math thing. So I'll uh, take an accounting course and see how that goes. And that kind of landed where uh, my trajectory was when I went to school. And when I got out of school, I just hey, I can become an accountant. Although I always struggled with the, well, how does an accountant really help people, right? Until I got into public accounting. And then I realized, gosh, it's all about your customers and relating to your clients, as well as really developing people underneath you. So yeah, there can be a kind of negative connotation with when you hear the word accountant, or you hear anything to do with money, whether it's sales, accounting, people tend to have a general like kind of negative feeling about it. And it's interesting- that you came at it from that perspective, like going like, okay, you want to go into the medical field because you want to help people. And then it ended up taking you kind of the accounting route. So what ended up pushing you in the direction of coming on board with Red Hat? Like how did that connection happen? And how did you begin that kind of journey? Sure. So it actually was unexpected. I was at a company that I was happy to be at for 10 years. I was there and I've always been a very loyal person. So I kind of keep my head down and and do what I'm doing until somebody called me and it was uh, actually a partner in, in a public accounting firm that did work with us and knew who I was in the organization and asked me if I was interested in having a random lunch with this new CFO of Red Hat who just started at Red Hat. And at the time, I my background was more corporate tax. And this partner indicated that the CFO at Red Hat, his name was Frank at the time, that he was looking eventually to replace the corporate tax person at Red Hat because that person was going to retire. So he was just he was new to the area where we are, which is Raleigh, North Carolina. And he just wanted to network with other people to really understand what the market showed. And so I said, well, sure. Why would I never, you know, you never want to turn down an opportunity like that to network. So, but that was, that was the, the gist of that lunch. And um, at the lunch, the CFO said to me, well, you know, I'm just starting to get my head around. This person's going to retire. I will be looking for talent. Where would you suggest I look and this kind of thing? And what kind of network is here? And 
And he said to me very clearly, Red Hat, this won't be just a Raleigh-based search. This will be a global search. And I said, of course, you know, I understand that. And I didn't realize, and it wasn't supposed to be an interview, but two hours later at the end of our lunch, he said to me, so if I was going to move this forward, would you be interested? And I would really like you to talk to so-and-so and so-and-so. So literally that's how I ended up at my current company. So it was just through a, a networking opportunity from someone who valued what I did. Wow. So Red Hat's obviously blown up. I mean, it's a, it's a huge company now. I mean, they just sold to IBM for $34 billion, which is the right. largest software acquisition in history, which is, which is absolutely amazing. What stage did you come in at? Like, like did you anticipate sure. that it would grow to that level when you first came on board? No, I actually thought I would fully retire at Red Hat and see it through at, you know, in my tax position as VP of tax for Red Hat as a separate standalone company. So uh, that was two years before the deal was announced. So uh, that acquisition was announced in October of 2018. So I had been at Red Hat for just about two years by then. And so it was very much a surprise to most associates, to be honest with you, because uh, Red Hat specializes in open source technology and, and there are very few players out there that do that. And also IBM is a partner to us, much like Microsoft, Amazon, uh, you know, and they all are competitors to each other. So how do we retain that neutrality that we need to continue to do business with all those big players? when you know we specialize in hybrid cloud and to be in that space we have to you know know how our technology sits on top of microsoft products amazon products ibm's public cloud as well and so you know our partners have to trust us that we're keeping those secrets separate from ibm and and vice versa and so far i i have to say it is working very well ibm respects that our customers are respecting that and we're we're able to thrive in this environment yeah i mean as you might know we've been working on a on a software build and you know one of the things that we've talked about is like there's there's stress no matter what happens when you're when you're starting some new venture or when you when you have anything that you're owning and operating and there can be stress both if you're struggling to take off and you're struggling to get things moving there's a lot of stress there usually it's more of the stress we tend to think about but also there could be a lot of stress when things explode suddenly and you have this massive mm-hmm. amount of growth um so for someone listening who maybe you know, might experience kind of a massive growth in their business. You know, everyone I think would hope for the kind of growth you have seen over at Red Hat, but even on a smaller scale, what would be your advice to leaders who are trying to navigate an organization through big change like this? Yeah, I think the most important thing, and this is something, actually, we just had a company meeting today and our CEO started the company meeting, you know, recognizing the success that we've had, but he asked everybody to remain focused on our business, right? It's very easy to get distracted by the new shiny objects and other things that you may not have seen before. And it's very easy to lose sight of that core that you are and the things that you know to be important and, and really stay true to ourselves. So that that's the hardest part, I feel, because a lot of times with growth comes a lot of other opportunities that you never had before. And it's easy to want to jump towards those things. And you lose sight of that base that you need to continue the strength that you're building over time. How do you navigate? Well, I guess I'll ask this: How many how many uh, employees are there at Red Hat right now? We have seventeen thousand right now. Yeah, 
how do you functionally do it? Cause I mean, sometimes it's hard, you know, if we've got, we have about three main people on our team and it feels like it's so easy to lose the, like the message you play the telephone game and you can lose something really easily. How do you, how do you functionally steer a ship that large and try to get the, the kind of mission and culture passed down to all, you know, 17,000 of those employees? Yeah, it's a great question, Eric. And I will say I've been at a lot of companies in my career and Red Hat really has this way of making all our associates feel connected through a lot of touch points. So like I am the CFO of the company, but I can't tell you how many enablement calls that I join for associates where we just share best practices and ideas, anything from kind of people management tips to, you know, overviews of our products and I will say we have G chats galore. Um, we have all kinds of diversity and inclusion initiatives and distribution lists. We actually have one email memo list that is open to every associate. All 17,000 associates can post an email to this list if you want to share an idea, ask for feedback. Sometimes it gets a little rogue on us, but uh, for the most part, it's it's all about being collaborative and staying connected but you're you're absolutely right i mean that's the key is is how do you continue to touch people and and especially in the year that we've all just experienced and are still experiencing you know going remote uh is one thing to all gather in office space and we have great opportunities like that physically but when you're not in that space too how do you stay connected and you know we're probably not doing anything different than a lot of companies we're using the zoom type of technologies and we have no end of video chats and stuff which of course creates more fatigue on that side as well but but we really do um, a good job of always staying connected always having team meetings and uh, town halls and and that kind of thing yeah you mentioned COVID, and you've been kind of co-leading the response team to COVID with the um, with Red Hat and and really trying to adjust like obviously the culture to this new change and it's ironic because your company is focused so much on the virtual side you know focused on giving infrastructure for that sort of thing how difficult was that pivot you know with COVID hitting you've got this massive amount of growth in 2019 right. 2020 you know come March I'm assuming everything's shutting down you know what are some of the things that you've done just to kind of keep one boost morale, you know, enable people to, to, you know, stay mentally healthy. You know, you mentioned fatigue, like what are some of those steps you've taken to really help navigate that big change? Yeah. So you're right. So I co-led the effort with our chief people officer throughout COVID and still today, but really associates working remotely is not new for Red Hat. We had more than 25% of our associates had always worked remotely. So that's pretty Mm. number relative to even a lot of the other technology companies. So we had that going for us and that whole network kind of set us up very brilliantly with tips and tricks of, hey, I've been working remote for 25 years. Here's some things that I've done. As well, we had the technology and the foresight to to have, we use blue jeans, but it's kind of like a, a Zoom thing. In fact, when I first got to Red Hat, I said, oh my gosh, all my calls are like on video. I was so not used to this. <laughs> right. And it, 
it's very easy to hide behind the phone if you're talking to someone across the world, but it, it really doesn't make a difference when you're there in person and you're facing somebody else on the other side of the screen. So, so I will say Red Hat really had this culture that we were somewhat used to that, although we still had a lot of um, office connections and meetings, no end of meetings and fun spaces to collaborate that when we had to shut everything down was really hard for people because, you know, and of course, depending on where you are in the world, you're not exactly set up to be successful working from home. Like I'm fortunate I have a, my own dedicated space in my house, but a lot of our associates in particular in the APAC region in Latin America, you know, they're working in very tight spaces with a number of family members. But as well, even in the U.S. and everywhere, we have working parents that are, I think that was my biggest concern is how we help our working parents through this time where they're trying to entertain their kids or help them with schoolwork, and yet they're supposed to try to do work. So we just kept enforcing the notion of flexibility. We we had so many manager sessions, and we said, we need you to be flexible with your associates. This isn't a one-size-fits-all, right? We can offer something to help some family, but that might not work depending on the setting that somebody else is in. So, so we really said, please talk to your associates, find out what's the most important thing that they need right now. But then as well, we worked as a company to try to figure out what are some other things we could do. And Red Hat always had this wonderful, and I think a lot of companies do this, but we have uh, a week between Christmas and New Year's that we have what we call recharge week uh, on the whole. And I've been at other companies that shut down that week, but I've never been at a company that shuts down and literally does not email, right? It's like you go the whole week. And aside from closing the books and some other things that really have to get done at the end of the year, it's very quiet. And you do feel like you can step away. So what we came up with was an idea for just let's give our associates an additional recharge day once a quarter because we could see this thing was going to go through all the entire calendar year 20. So we just picked a day and there's actually websites out there that you can, you know, go on and see, okay, we operate in in 70 countries around the world. What is one day during this calendar quarter that is not a public holiday around the world? You know, so we didn't want to interrupt or create a day off that was already a day off for somebody. So we took all that into account. And then we came up with the top three days and we had our associates vote on, hey, here's the recharge day options for Q3 or Q4 and, and you can take your pick. And then everybody unplugged on that one day. And it and a lot, the other thing that that did, we could not get enough associates to actually take their PTO. A lot of people were afraid to take vacation time because they either were hoping that the pandemic would move on and then they get to travel and actually take a vacation, or they were hoarding it, say, for the fall when they knew if they were a working parent, they might have needed that time away to help their kids during school if they were still home. So anyway, the recharge days helped because we tried to make them either on Monday or Friday so that it would tag on to the weekend. And then people started taking longer weekends around that. So that helped out a lot. And then we did a lot of work around um, coming up with a stipend and figuring out how to how to um, give that out to associates. You know, we we tried to make it tax free. We, we tried to think of everything, <laughs> but, sure. you know. You won't make everybody happy, but we really tried to say, okay, how are we best suited to give our employees what they need during this time? Absolutely. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with 
Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. There's a lot of talk about going back to normal, you know, after after COVID and this idea of, hey, let's, when we get back in the office, when we get back to this kind of stage, I kind of am looking at this and I think in a lot of ways, 2020 forced a lot of people to modernize and take the steps that seems Red Hat took early on, which is make some of it virtual, you know, make these adjustments and showed that there's a lot of people that are maybe meeting offices that don't need to be, or a lot of people connecting in person that don't need to be. Do you think we'll go back to quote unquote normal, or do you think this is going to shift the way we do business moving forward? Yeah, definitely the latter. Um, we're calling it here what is the future of work for Red Hat, right? We're, we're not calling it the new normal. We're calling it what does the future of work look like? And mm. in our Red Hat style, we're soliciting a lot of feedback on what that looks like. And, and for us, it, it largely looks, I think, like a lot of what I read out there other companies are going to do, which is there'll be a mix of the continued remote population of which, as I shared, we already had a big part. Then there'll be this hybrid work uh, force that want to come in a couple days a week. And then there'll be the ones that that definitely either have to or want to have a dedicated workspace. And so there are trade-offs, right? We were always, besides having 25% of our associate be remote, we, we had a good amount of mobility and flexibility. In other words, we didn't expect people to have to sit at their desk every day if they had something that they needed right. to, or they could work from home, they did. So, however, we always had one desk to one associate, even in that situation. And so what we had was a lot of our space being underutilized or just not utilized sufficiently. So what we know the future is going to look like is that there will be some trade-offs. Hey, if you want to continue to be in this hybrid space, you may not get a dedicated desk. That's the trade-off. But at the same time, what we also know is we need to build different spaces so that what people really want to come back to the office for is this collaboration. And so we need to facilitate 
and already we were doing a pretty good job there, but even more type of meeting spaces and, and things for people to gather and, and really work productively together. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, th- this show is Build Your Network, so I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question because we ask it of all of our guests. You mentioned, obviously, the connection that, that got you into Red Hat, which obviously has been an amazing career pivot for you. But I have to ask, do you believe overall that what you know or who you know is more important and why? <laughs> oh, I definitely feel it's who you know. But then also I want to say, but it's also the brand that you've built around you that they know. So it's much, much less what you know, or for example, I wouldn't be sitting here as the CFO of Red Hat because I didn't take a traditional path that typical CFOs take yeah. get to where I am. I kind of was in this tax world and a little bit of finance, but you know, I didn't have a big background in treasury, for example, or investor relations and that kind of thing. But the brand um, that I built in terms of my leadership style and, and what I've been able to build in terms of good quality skill set that I surround myself with really enabled me to have this opportunity to even be in the CFO chair. So definitely, I think it's the who you know and what they have, know have, about you. Yeah, and what they know about you, what you bring to the table. How important throughout your career have maybe masterminds or mentorships been, especially again, taking on a pretty large role, didn't go the traditional path. So you're probably learning by doing a lot of this. Uh, yeah. How important have those kind of relationships been? I think they're important in in settings. Like I've had a number of formal mentors, you know, through mentor programs where you get matched with someone. But to be honest with you, I've always found much more valuable was to find a leader whose style and brand you wanted to emulate. And then um, kind of network with them mm. and figure out how did they come to know their style of working and what worked for them and what didn't work for them. I think that's more important is always to find that connection point because you can have a mentor who's wonderful, but if you have no way of really connecting with that person, then it's just going to be a nice meet and greet and you might take a couple things away, but you're not really getting to where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. That authentic relationship with people that are where you want to be has always proved super, super helpful and really effective. I know we're near the end of our time, but I want to do our random round segment really quick. So I'm going to ask you some quick questions uh, with some really quick answers just to get to know you just a little bit more right here at the end. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Oh my gosh. Any show that will have me on HGTV. It's all about home design or any show on HDTV. <laughs> Gosh, I would love to be there. So that's what I would lo- love to do. Perfect. If you could sit on a park bench with a park bench with someone <laughs> past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? Um, definitely Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I I would just love to hear more so about her early life and how she. I know she overcame a lot of adversity and things. But she always stayed true to herself right up to the very, very end. And I just admire her for that. So I'd lo- I would give anything to chat with her about that. How do you like to learn best? Do you like books, blogs, podcasts, videos? Uh, what's your favorite means of getting information? Yeah, I, I would say books, although I've slowly evolved into podcasts. And in particular, I'm a fan of uh, Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen. And I can't mm. believe there's a podcast yeah, out there that right. both of them. So I'm finding a lot of podcasts like that that uh, really pique my interest. But 
I think, you know, I, but I always gravitate to books too. My favorite book being The Five People You Meet in Heaven by Mitch Album because mm. it, it's a very quick read, but it really touches on you never know who you are going to influence in life, and yeah. which is why you just always need to treat everybody with respect and dignity. Uh, give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Oh, it's very boring. Shower, <laughs> can't go without a shower. I definitely eat breakfast, read the news and highlights, and then jump on a, my first call. Pretty much routine. Notice there's no exercising in there. I'm not a No guy. ice bath, no hike. It's just no. right into it. <laughs> not happening. No, no. At the no. end of the day, I try to take a good walk, but that's gotcha. about it. Yeah, that's pretty much my thing is throughout the day I have times to walk and like my mental health time is like go check the mail in between yeah. these calls. Like it's just good to get out and get some fresh air. Correct. Um, what's your go-to pump up song? What are you listening to while you're on this walk? Oh my God. Well, my, my favorite pump up song is Dancing Queen by ABBA. It just okay. always makes me smile. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife has the Mamma Mia soundtrack bumping all the time. So oh, that's, yeah. uh, that's a good one. Best. Uh, what are you not very good at? <laughs> Ironically, technology. I probably huh. should not be working at a tech company. Yeah, I struggle my whole life. <laughs> it's who you know. You have plenty of people around you that know <laughs> that know what they're doing. I surround uh, myself with good people, I'm telling you. And the last question, what's the one place online where people will find you the most? If they want to connect with you, if they want to kind of follow your journey, what's the best way to connect with you? Oh, boy. I'm not really out there very much, but Instagram... I just like pictures, <laughs> but um, I am on LinkedIn, but I'm not very good at posting. And my, my comms team knows this again, it goes back to my technology struggles, but I'm not really out there a lot. So you can give me some hints there if you want. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Now we'll put a link to, we'll put a link on the, on the show notes to your LinkedIn. And obviously people can go check out the Red Hat website. We'll have all the, yeah. all the information there in the description. Thank you so much for, for coming on Lori and talking about your story. There's some amazing practical tips for our listeners. So I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Eric. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapelcom slash group to join his free Facebook group podcast to profit. Travis will see you there and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.